Welcome to the J.D. Power Travel Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power, and with me today are Mike Taylor, who leads our travel practice, and Jenny Corwin, our lead analyst for travel. Mike and Jenny, welcome. Hello. Hello. Hey, so, so Mike, thought we would kick it off this week with um, talking about the airlines and uh, recent news that Southwest is going to cease operations at Newark Airport and focus on LaGuardia. So what's uh, what's what's driving that, and how's that going to impact um, the uh, the traveler experience uh, for Southwest? Well, Southwest does a great job, as you know. They're a co-winner of our uh, JD Power Award for the low-cost carriers uh, segment, so they do a great job. There's three things that are driving this decision or this action. Uh, one is the reduced capacity from the 737 Max grounding. Um, not that they, not that the Southwest had a tremendous amount of 737 Maxes, but it just added to a restructuring of how they're going to be doing routing, and what kinds of um, how much gate usage they can handle in the New York market. Uh, second part of it is uh, United uh, as being a little aggressive as they like to be from time to time in various geographies. And I think they planted the flag in Newark uh, and want to dominate the routes in Newark as much as they can. And that gave it an incentive to Southwest to move to LaGuardia. And the third part of it is LaGuardia is going to be basically a brand-new facility starting about two years from now. And I believe Southwest wants to get in on that space, get the gates that they like, um, get operations up and running and expand in LaGuardia rather than Newark. Um, because they don't really have much opportunity to expand in Newark based on the footprint they have. Uh, Newark is adding a little bit to Terminal A, but that's really not going to help uh, Southwest much. And United has complete dominance over Terminal C uh, at Newark. So three prongs uh, to, the, um, uh, to the incentives there for them to move to LaGuardia. Now, in the short term, that is not going to make their passengers happy because LaGuardia is really – uh, a mess, especially in the last few months when they're putting in the big roadway work. People are, again, getting out of their taxis and Ubers and Lyfts or, you know, whoever's dropping them off at the frontage and walking to the terminal from a quarter mile away because they've been sitting in traffic for half an hour uh, within a couple hundred yards of the terminal. So in the short term, there's going to be a little bit of pain for Southwest for those people going through LGA, but in the long term, it'll probably be a good move for them. Okay, thanks, Mike. Uh, Jenny, moving to hotels, looks like it's going to be end of the road for bathroom, there's miniature bathroom bottles of shampoo um, uh, at IHG, and uh, they're moving to bulk size amenities to reduce uh, plastic waste. So is this, um, is this a trend? Is this something we're going to see at the other hotel brands? And uh, what, what does it mean for the hotel guests? I think it's something we could see catching on. Um, I, I think that we are at the dawn of a more eco-conscious consumers. You see hotels doing away with uh, plastic straws. And, um, there's even some hotels that are very focused, but the entire brand is focused on being eco-friendly. They're using recycled uh, plastics in some of their uh, linens and things like that even. Um, so I, I don't think this is, you know, a fly-by-night thing. I, I don't think it's going to go away. And, and technically, it's not necessarily new either. We've seen um, you know, bulk amenities in in many economy and mid-scale hotels for years uh, just because of the cost savings to hoteliers, right, by providing – a lot of times the, the packaging itself costs more than the product inside of it. So um, 
I think for hotel guests, some of them are going to be used to it. I think if the quality of the amenities is the same, right, then then there shouldn't be a huge issue. Uh, I don't think many people are choosing their hotel uh, based on the fact that they get to take home a tiny bottle with them if they don't use all of their shampoo. So, I mean, it'll be an adjustment period, but I don't think the overall value of the hotel is going to be changed or anything like that. Um, you know, there, there is obviously, for some cynics, a bit of a safety concern, but I think there will be a, a market for products um, that have like a key or something very specific that only allow housekeepers to get into that um, bulk amenity container so, so nothing can be tainted or tampered with. But, um, overall, I, I think it's a good move in terms of um, optically looking to be environmentally friendly um, and, and keeping up with what consumers are looking for these days. Thanks, Jenny. So, Mike, turning to airports and continuing our eco-friendly theme, and this is War on Plastic, uh, San Francisco International Airport announced that you won't be able to buy plastic bottles of water at the, at the airport anymore. Uh, so is that um, – uh, what's the what's the impact on the traveler at the airport, and is that something we're going to see um, uh, extend to other airports? Well, there's a few things in our data that are kind of, you know, impact this decision, and uh, also some interesting conclusions. The first one is um, the number one selling SKU at an airport is a bottle of water, a plastic bottle bottle of water, simply because TSA has taken the, all the liquids away from you as you go through the terminal. And so you're more likely to buy something you would like to have and don't have because it's been taken away from you. So there's sort of an artificial economic environment or a desert uh, created by TSA there. So it's an interesting decision for SSBO to target the number one selling SKU uh, sold at retail in airports. Uh, and they don't extend that ban to any plastic bottles that have flavored water in them or uh, soft drinks. So it's kind of strange that they just picked this one. Of course, you know, it's it it we do look at certain airports. We ask people how they feel about their environmental friendliness of the airport. And things moves like this um, do boost that score and give them a little bit better oh, halo or a positive uh, viewpoint uh, from the flying public as to how concerned the airport is about the environment and uh, passengers in general. Uh, and the number one thing that we have seen that, uh, that that helps that along is actually those water bottle filling stations that you see every once in a while with a little counter on it that tells you how many you know bottles of uh, plastic bottles have been saved or tons of uh, of solid waste that have been prevented by you know pe- people being able to refill their water bottles uh, from a uh, water fountain in the airport. So it's probably a, probably a good move from a, a standpoint of uh, increasing their stature in the community, um, but economically, that's the, the the you know we have yet to see what the effect is going to be because it is the highest selling SKU in the airport. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so moving to, <clears throat> moving to rental car, it looks like at RDA, which is Raleigh Durham uh, Airport. They're, uh, they're going to eliminate the rental car shuttles, and uh, they're trying to make space for taxis, Uber, and, and Lyft. So um, what's the implication for, uh, for, for rental car um, uh, consumers and, and then also for the industry? Well, the effect on rental car consumers is going to be a little bit more walking instead of riding on a shuttle bus. Um, that's probably the biggest impact for the 
you know, origination and destination customer who's renting a car uh, at RDU. They're actually going to eliminate the, the buses entirely by putting these walkways through the current parking lots. And uh, RDU is one of those airports where the highest revenue generator of any activity uh, at the airport is its parking lot. Uh, so they're going to take a little section of a parking lot. I think also because if we, when we spoke in the last podcast, we mentioned the effect here of Uber and Lyft slowing down the growth rate of um, parking structures at the airport. And I think this is probably a result of that as well. But on the flip side, uh, you know, the second biggest factor in, in the J.D. Power study in North American airline, airports is access, actually getting to the actual terminal itself. So by eliminating those shuttle buses, which take up an awful lot of space and you have to dodge them, and they are rather intimidating when they are coming up in your rearview mirror, um, by getting rid of uh, a great many of those, they'll probably improve their access scores at REU for those O&D passengers. It's just that the renters are going to have to wear out a little more shoe leather uh, as they get to their rental cars. Okay, thanks, Mike. Uh, and, Jenny, just to fi finish up with digital, uh, it looks like United Airlines – is expanding a uh, service on their app that holds, um, or th I guess through their app, that holds planes for connecting flyers uh, to uh, some additional airports. Uh, so it sounds like they, uh, this is something I think we talked about when it first came out. Um, so it must be uh, successful if they're expanding it, right? Yeah, it seems like it's done a pretty good job so far. Uh, United is saying it's saved almost 15,000 passengers from missing a, a missed connection. So I think that's that's great. According to our data, um, the airline industry as a whole does a pretty good job in terms of you know on-time departures and, and making connections. So, but we do know when these things do happen, um, it, it definitely has an impact on customer satisfaction. It really puts a damper on your trip and likely your whole day as a traveler. So. Um, to see them, you know, working out this data tool to to be so useful is really interesting. And the fact that it's actually the app enables the customer to to see. Um, basically, it gives them um, directions to their to their gate and lets them know. You know, gives them really good, quick advice on how to get from one place to another. But you don't have to have that in order to to benefit from this. So this this program, this connection saver program, is actually running in the background for all passengers all the time through the specific airports, and it's making calculations and it's letting the gate agents know uh, how long they can hold the plane. And it's and then it'll give them the list of all of the inbound flights that have connections. And so, hopefully, you know that extra four or five minutes can really help uh, passengers make that connecting flight. I think it's it's great for their airport operations. It's probably great for their bottom line if they don't have to rebook a bunch of passengers. And and it's wonderful for the customer experience if uh, if you feel that little extra, like you know you don't have to have that bit of anxiety that you're going to be five minutes late, but the plane's still going to be there for you, which is great. Thanks so much, Jenny. So, so Mike and Jenny, um, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. You're quite welcome. And thanks to our listeners for joining as well. To learn more about the J.D. Power travel practice, please visit us on the web at jdpower.com business, and we'll see you next time.